The Italian Wine Podcast is the community-driven platform for Italian wine geeks around the world. Support the show by donating at italianwinepodcast.com. Donate five or more euros and we'll send you a copy of our latest book, My Italian Grape Geek Journal, absolutely free. To get your free copy of My Italian Grape Geek Journal, click support us at italianwinepodcast.com or wherever you get your pods. Grazie mille. Welcome to this special Italian wine podcast broadcast. This episode is a recording off Clubhouse, the popular drop-in audio chat. This Clubhouse session was taken from the Wine Business Club and Italian Wine Club. Listen in as wine lovers and experts alike engage in some great conversation on a range of topics in wine. If you enjoy listening, please consider donating through italianwinepodcast.com. Any amount helps cover equipment, production, and publication costs. And remember to subscribe and rate our show wherever you tune in. My name is Stevie Kim, and welcome to the Italian Wine Podcast. Can everybody hear me? Yes, we can hear you, Stevie. Yes. Okay. How is everybody? Ciao, Pablo. Ciao, Stevie. Where are you? I'm in Florianópolis, southern Brazil now. Still in Brazil? What are you doing in Brazil? <laughs> I'm a Brazilian, I'm so <laughs> I live here. I'm just kidding. <laughs> what time is it then? Now it's 1 p.m. Yeah, so it's still early for you. So now we updated our clock. So now we're only four hours apart, I suppose. Yeah, yeah it's four hours difference. Yeah. It's 5 p.m. here. So this is the what is known as the Ambassador's Corner. It's kind of a fireside chat style for the Italian Wine Podcast. We do replay every single call that we have here at Clubhouse on the Italian Wine Podcast. And it is one of our most popular shows, believe it or not, for especially for all of the Italian geeks. Now, I think most of you know how this works is that we choose an Italian wine ambassador at large. Today, it is, of course, Pablo Fernandez. And I met Pablo actually here on Clubhouse, right? Exactly, yes. It was here that it sparked my, my fire for Italian Wines podcast and also yeah. the Italian Wine Ambassador program. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So it's very exciting to be back. And how many have you done so far, Pablo? Actually, two. One with Varvalione, Angelo, and also one with uh, Hernanes, the soccer player, the football player, actually. Oh, right, right, right. The famous soccer player. So tell us a little bit about yourself, a very skinny version. Well, I'm an engineer. Uh, I'm back working with engineering. <laughs> oh, you are? Yeah, I am since last August. And that's why I missed the Aetna trip. I was so upset about that. But, oh, yeah. that's too bad. Yeah, we actually, Laika is just coming back. She came back this morning, right, Laika? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I actually did. Tell us a little bit about the trip, Laika. It was really fun. We went to several wineries, uh, famous wineries, actually. One of the highlights I went to was Tornatore, also Donna Fugata. It was really fun. We've tasted a lot of wines. So in the beginning, we went to the Tarmina event, which was uh, organized by Cronaca de Gusto. It was three days and full of master classes. And afterwards, we had three more days to spend time to visit wineries around the area. So that was really fun. Yeah, there were about 17 of them. I was just in the very beginning bit. 
And I did some Insta lives, if you want to check that out, of some masterclasses, of which there was an epic masterclass by Daniele Cellini and Pedro Balesteros, the master of wine from Spain, with four vintages of Sassicaia. Unfortunately, it's in Italian. It's an incredible story telling of these two professionals, wine professionals who have been dedicated their lives to wine storytelling about Sassicaia and Bulgari in general. So check that out on our Insta grid, both on Italian Wine Podcast and Vinital International Academy. There were some other Insta lives, which I think is worthwhile. There was a blind tasting between Etna and Burgundy. We had Salvo Fotti, and then we had some Done del Vino from Puglia. Very exciting as far as I'm concerned with regards to masterclasses. So check those out as well. So Pablo, so you went back to engineering because you couldn't make any money from wine? <laughs> no, it was a good opportunity. <laughs> uh, it was a, a Norwegian company, renewable energy, so it was fine. And nobody takes uh, wine classes nine to five, right? I'm mostly a wine educator and I'm still uh, going with my company, which is babitalia.com. I think I, we briefly, indirectly discussed a little bit about Babitalia because I want to make a project with you guys uh, about blog postings and etc. We can discuss at Wine to Wine if you have the time. But yeah, I still keep my wine education project. I am a certified educator with uh, Vinitaly International Academy. So I have plans to have the Italian wine maestro next year here in Brazil for the first time. Uh, let's see how it goes. Oh, uh, exciting. A... That's, wait, hold on. I have to do a special effect for that. Okay, grazie, grazie. Yeah, that's, that's fantastic, Pablo. Very exciting. I'm glad yeah. we have a little, you know, a half foot inside into Brazil. That's very exciting. So, Pablo, let's get on to the show today. Yes, let's okay. get it on. Why did you select Maria Chiara Dalcero as your favorite producer today? Actually related to Via, because uh, during the time between the Five Star Wines 23 event, that was a judge, thank you, Stevie, and uh, Opera Wines, uh, I was invited by my friend Alan Kwok, which is an Italian wine expert, and was a uh, panelist in my table at Five Stars, to join a trip with the, some of the Via Hong Kong community, with Susanna Poon and also Charlotte Ho. I'm friends with them. I'm actually I'm an honorary Hong Kong member of the community, actually. So, And then during the trip, we visit Cadei Fratti where Maria Chiara Cousins, Stefano Fioranzato, which is the export manager there, Warmly welcomed us there, and we had a wonderful visit, a wonderful lunch at their restaurant uh, in Desenzano. It was so such great experience uh, that I really had there in mind for maybe a future collaboration here. So I was thinking about them since April, but a lot of happened during this time. But finally, now I also preparing to go to Wine to Wine. I'm not missing this year. I thought that I had to make a conversation with a producer. And so Cade Frat came to mind. And uh, Stefano introduced me, his cousin, Maria Chiara, the communication and events manager for Cade Frat. And here we are. Fantastic. I remember Cade Fratti when I first came to Verona. So I'm very familiar with Cade Fratti. Of course, it's very local. So very excited, but I've never been. So I'm pretty excited to listen to your conversation today. As you know, what are the learning objectives we should expect from this interview, your call with Maria Chiara today? Sure. Also, not only Cade Fratti, but they are in the Garda area, which is Lugano Doc. 
appellation, which is a appellation that I really like. So one of the objectives are comprehension of the viticulture and winemaking practices at Cadefrati and, of course, Lugana. Some insights about their wine portfolio and the market presence. Uh, understanding the heritage and the brand identity of Cadefrati. And also a little bit of exploration of wine tourism that is very interesting subject there. And uh, consumer engagement with uh, Cadefrati and also Lugana. That's our the main objectives. Excellent, because, you know, Lugana Dog is our friend because two of our ex-colleagues work in Lugana DOC oh, really? right now, the consortium. One is Aurora, who was our social media manager, and I believe she's doing some marketing there. The other one is Eduardo, and he's the, I guess, the consortium's director. That's his official title right now. Uh, I remember Aurora. Her reels on Instagram were so funny. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. We all love Aurora. She didn't stay very long with us, but she had this great opportunity to go on to Lugana Consortium. So good luck with that for her and both Eduardo. So I'm going to pass the mic over to you now, Pablo, and then maybe we can come back at the towards the end of the show to see if there are any extra questions from the audience. Okay. Okay, okay. Thank you very much, Stevie. Firstly, I'll introduce Maria Chiara Dalcero, graduated in ancient literature and history of art at the Unicat of Milano and University of Verona. Then two masters, one in philosophy of food and wine at San Raffaele Milano and communication for companies and management of events at the University of Florence. She's also a sommelier at the Italian Sommelier Association and also at WSET Level 2. She works as communication, marketing, and event manager of Cade Fratti. And she's the winemaker's daughter, and she's fourth generation in Cade Fratti. So, Maria Chiara, thank you very much for joining us. Hello, everybody. Thank you. It's a pleasure. So, let's start. How did your journey with wine begin? And what sparked your interest in it? It was really being the family that you had no choice or you really <laughs> were into since uh, since young. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, it's a good question because I had a particular education uh, at university. I choose ancient literature because I am and I was interested in culture. My choice was quite hard for my father. But after the first graduation, uh, I enrolled again in university, but uh, another time for history of art. So nothing about wine again. For my father was a nightmare, but this freedom for me was really important because now I have an exceptional cultural knowledge that I can decline on the creativity. I always need to match wine and culture in our events and experiences. And during the years of the university, I did a sommelier course in Brescia and I ended it in three years with a final diploma. After that, I did a WSET, one and two, and a master, so one year in management of wineries and another one in hospitality in wine. And during the pandemic, I also enrolled in a master in philosophy of food and wine in Milan, just to complete my education about wine. And it was really helpful for my job. Nice. But were you trying to escape the destiny or it really was all, I was convinced to join the winery at the end and it was just a little bit of rebellion. And then you just were trying to, what, what was happening there? I, I was prepared and yeah, <laughs> I don't well, escape. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because sometimes we want to have different objectives from our parents during a certain period of time. But then at the end, you, you understand that maybe 
it's what sparks your interest in it and you join it later. So. Exactly. Yes. Finally, mm-hmm. yes. And it was really, really interesting. And also now I'm very happy to, to be part of this big world of wine and like an ambassador uh, also for the history of my family in wine and also for the uh, wine world in general as a woman. Yeah, no, that's very important, especially in uh, our Catholic societies that women uh, has a lot of barriers until now, but I really admire women in wine, you know, so yeah. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about Cade Frat's history and the journey that led to its current prominence. What is the story behind the name and uh, the significance to the winery? The history uh, of Cade Frati began as early as the 15th century with the Carmelite friars who cultivate vines here. In fact, the name Cade Frati means in English uh, House of Friars. Napoleon then closed the small religious realities in, in the area, so the little house uh, of Cade Frati passed into private hands until 1939 when my great-grandfather, the name was Felice Dalcero, moved from a small village in the province of Verona between Suave and Valpolicella, very well known for wines. Um, the name was Montechie di Crosara to Lugana on Lake Garda in search of fortune after the, the First World War. Then he continued to do what he knew, and it was viticulture. For me, it was very, very far-sighted. Here, uh, he had three children, one uh, of whom was Pietro Dalcero, who was the only one to continue the family business in viticulture. And Pietro, in turn, had here three children. One was my father, Igino, the producer, my aunt, Anna Maria, and my uncle, Gianfranco. And now they are the current owners of the winery together with uh, Grandmother Rosa. I represent the fourth generation with my cousin, so we have a very, very long history. And they are working in the winery as well. And we started with five hectares in 1939. It was a little property, and now we reached 300 hectares of property. So we are very big now. And we have uh, produced wine for years, still now, of course, and also olive oil, because uh, at the border of the vineyards, we have also many olive trees. Uh, One of our points about our history, very long history, is to respect nature and soil, of course. So what we are producing is literally a product of our terroir. And we have done this for years, according to the high quality in the winemaking process and I think that about our history, we can say that we are between tradition and technology. But I guarantee this is not a word of mouth in our case, because my father put together different companies to make, for example, several technologies for our winery, following his experiments, and and they work. Another important fact for Cadifrati was the specification and law for Lugana wine, born in 1967, so it's an important fact of our history. One of the signatories and promoters was my grandfather, Pietro Dalcero. So just two years later, in uh, 1969, the first battle of Lugana, Ifrati, was released no longer as a, as a bulk wine. So this point is very, very, it was very important for us and also now. Italian Wine Podcast. Brought to you by Mama Jumbo Shrimp. It's very interesting. You were saying about the technology. I, I was visiting the winery of your cousin, Stefania. I was very impressed about the, the installations and the machinery. It's really very impressive. And uh, very uh, congratulations about that. And uh, 
Since you, you touch about the subject of Lago de Garda in Lugana, I would like to talk a little bit about the terroir, the main grapes, so the audience and to, and to the, those that are listening to this interview and doesn't know Lugana and Lago de Garda. So let's discuss a little bit about the terroir, the main grapes, the impact of terroir on wines, what are the practices, and uh, focus on the wine production of Cadefrati. Let's do a, a bit of yeah. a summary of I know it's a long subject, but still, let's... I try to summarize. <laughs> I'm a big fan of Lugana, and also Lago de Garda is so beautiful. Actually, I was in Lago de Garda like one month ago, just for a weekend. Oh, I was yeah. traveling for work, and I know I have to go to Verona and visit Lago de Garda because... It's been a time that I wasn't been there. So, yeah, that's why I ask you guys. I really love the place. Yeah, it's a fantastic place and I am happy to be there. And about the location, Ligarda, for our appellation, Lugana is an extremely special place suitable for viticulture. Since ancient times, in fact, the Romans already cultivated vines here. So there is already historically interest in viticulture in this area. But I think that the fundamental thing, I believe, is precisely the territory and the climate that we have here. In fact, the soil is rich in mineral salts due to the fact that Lake Garda has a glacial origin and not volcanic origin, as many people think, because we have the spas in Sirmione, but it's not. And the soil in particular has two different types. One is sand on the hills of the area of Appalachian, and one is clay on the closest part to the lake. Fortunately, Cadefrati has both types of soil where our vineyards grow, and this is very important for the final structure of wine and the floral bouquet of our DOC Lugana. Uh, I add another fundamental point, it is the climate, because we have a very, very special climate. I would even say maybe a microclimate. I think that in every area of Lake Garda, we even have special winds that concern the various towns of Lake Garda. For example, here in Lugana, we have a uh, a special wind that takes name from Lugana place. So this is very, very uh, specific one. And the climate is, I think, is a first detail because it has a quite noticeable variation between day and night, but which also allows us to maintain a temperature that is always rather mild in this area. Perfect for wine and also a great humidity we have for the lake, of course. Our main grape variety is the Turbiana, Turbiana is the name, which is part of the large family of Italian Trebbiano, it's a very, very big family. It's a white grape variety, of course, naturally with Cade Frati produces substantially old wines. We have 100% Turbiana wines, such as Lugana Frati and our Broletino which can also be aged for 10 months in fresh oak barrels. But also the other blended white wines always have a good portion of Turbiana because it is our most important vine here. And I believe that Lugana DOC is truly one of the excellencies of our place, of course, because it represents exactly what local production is. And this minerality, freshness and verticality in flavors that can be felt in the glass, it really respects what the fruit the fruit is. It's very fruity wine, I think. It is curious that the grapes, also when it is ripe, it always has a very acidic part, which is easily brought back into the winemaking. So it is easy to drink and extremely versatile. And I think that 
Lugana, it's one of my uh, favorite wine at all. Also mine. I really like the, the, the white wines and I really like the Lugana. I think it's uh, still a, a hidden gem of Italy, you know, and so we really still have to enjoy it. Still, that is not that expensive. So, yeah, I agree with you. And there's a little bit of difference, even if you were saying about the micro terroir between a Lugana close to the lake and other Lugana that is more inside. That is, uh, one is more fruity, one is a little bit, uh, also fruit, but a little bit of mineral. This is something that I noticed uh, tasting some wines. That is even differences between the Lugana dock. So yes, absolutely. I, I like to point out. I agree. And it is very, very interesting, for example, to taste different Lugana from the same region. Because in the appellation, we have five different commons. Only one is in Veneto region and the other are in Lombardy, of course. And mm-hmm. yes, it, it's, it's quite interesting to, to find a little differences between uh, the Lugana of the hills, for example, and of the lake, because they are different. It's not so easy to understand, maybe, in the first glass you can try, but yes, it's interesting. The vineyards from Cadifrati are in Sirmione, right? Right, yes, no? Sirmione, yeah, Lugana. Right. Right. No, just I was just a little bit of a intermission because I was remembering my studies on the Lugana <laughs> Dock. Let's dive a little bit about the wines of Cadefrati because you briefly mentioned about the wines that you have the Ifrati, Broletino, also you have a, a blend that is Prato that it blends with Sauvignon Blanc and Chardonnay, but you also have some uh, Privilegio di Familia wines. I was very curious about these ones because it's a version of the Ifrati Broletino, right? Yes, exactly. Yes, it's a special version. We can say Reserva but we don't use this kind of name, but is I think it's the same because for Ifrati and Broletino are 100% Urbiano, of course, so our typical and varietal grape. But in the case of Privilegio di Familia, they stay in the winery for five years and then we release it on market. So it's a sort of upgrade just to demonstrate that the Lugana is not only an easy drinkable wine, but it's also a wine that you can leave in your cellar and open the bottle after five, six years. And the result is incredible, I think. Also, you guys do bollicini, right? Sparkling with Turbiana, right? There's a... Yes, exactly. It's very good. I tried it. It's so good. We produce three kinds of sparkling wine. Two are white sparkling wine and one is a rosé. The two sparkling white wine are with Turbiana, 90% and 10% of Chardonnay. And in the case of the rosé, it's Marzimino, Sangiovese, Groppel and Barbera. Five uh, red grapes we grow in the area around here, very close to the lake. We use the traditional method, so the same method of champagne, of course. And they stay on lease for minimum 24 months. And for the two brut sparking wine but we have also the dosaggio zero so no sugar inside and in that case uh, uh, it stays for uh, 36 months on the lease so a little bit more we appreciate a lot the sparking wine and it's not a very very big amount but yes it's a an important number of our production just an extension a bit about terroir because the world is changing and the climate is crazy these days and so if you could comment a little bit of the climate change impacts on Cadefrati and what the strategies you are employing. And also something that I noticed that the Lago di Garda level is a little bit lower than used to be. So 
I don't know if it, probably this is also impacting the climate, especially. So if you can discuss a little bit about that. Uh, yes, it cannot be denied that agriculture and viticulture are also affected by climate change. And we live in close contact with nature um, and are well aware of it. In any case, our approach is that of sustainability. Uh, for example, every year, the initial moment of the harvest is brought forward. Our grandparents harvested in mid-September, but today we harvest at the end of August. The grapes ripen earlier due to the heat, of course. The weather is often unstable, and this has an impact that we manage while paying attention to the environment, of course. And the harvest is increasingly complex, mostly because of this unstable weather, and we must be ready to present for any problem that maybe may, may show up. And it's not easy for those who do our job, especially to maintain a high quality of the grapes during over the year, during the year. And for the rest, we try to take the nature in everything it has to offer. If there are hotter summers, for example, we have a roof made of solar panels to be as sustainable as possible from an electricity point of view, for example. And even for the water we use in the cellar, we have a continuous recycling home automation system to avoid throwing away drinking water. And another example is the cork. We use a cork that is also sustainable. It is a technical cork made of sugarcane polyethylene, which allow us to use a much lower quantity of sulfates uh, than organic wines, for example, maintaining control of the oxygen and maturation of the wine in the bottle. And there are many small things, I think, which taken together allows us to, to cope with climate changes whose impact is inevitable, I think. And we try at least to, to behave respectfully towards modern nature but it's not so easy for us yeah yeah it's a problem and we have to to adapt uh, to survive exactly. right yeah so let's talk a little bit about the marketing and the business side so because Califrate has gained a recognition outside Italy and I was very surprised because you are very uh, popular with the Germans <laughs> and can you provide a little uh, you know insights about the, the winery size the numbers, the bottles that are produced yearly, the exports destination, of course, is the Germans and the proportion of the exported wines and what strategies you guys uh, are using for promoting the wines internationally. Yeah, it's true. Before COVID, our exports were around 35% and the rest mainly remained in Italy. But after the pandemic, today we export around 45%, mainly to Germany where they know the Lake Garda area very, very well for holidays and for its food and wine, of course. For this reason, I am studying German and many of the guys who help us in the hospitality uh, at the desk, for example, in the, in the cellar, are sommeliers and speak English and German as well. But we are also in many other countries in the world, not only Germany, of course, although we want to never be missing in Italy. Uh, among the most particular places, for example, I can say Mongolia, Japan, Singapore, and many, many others. We are present in around 70 countries around the world. And sometimes I have the chance to travel to present the wines around the world together with Stefano, my cuisine, the export manager. For example, the last trip I made was to South Korea 
and Singapore, a very interesting trip. And they represent two new markets, for example, for us, Germany certainly remains a point of reference for Cade Frati and for us outside of Italy. So much so that sometimes, uh, I'm not joking, we heard Germans who, when referring to Lugana DOC, say that they want to drink a Cade Frati glass. So we, we are so proud of this. Of course, you export a lot of German, but there's a lot of cellar door for Germans, right? Yeah, exactly. So I you agree. export a lot, of, a lot of places, exotic places like Brazil. I, I've seen Cadifrat, but a long time ago, I don't think you guys export to Brazil anymore, I think. I know that in the past, yes, we had an importer there, but now I think we had finished and maybe we have to, to try again with another, another man, yeah. Yeah, Brazil is complicated. I understand you guys. A little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Again, marketing, that the communication and branding of wines are crucial. So can you discuss a little bit uh, about branding strategies employed by Cade Frati to evoke the essence of its wines? Like one of the most interesting things is that uh, really remembers a, a friar's house, the winery itself, the entrance is so beautiful. Yeah. At Vinitaly, the stand was a reproduction of the entrance of the winery, which was so beautiful. I was uh, to meet Stefano there and uh, was so impressed by the stand and Vinitaly this year. So. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's an interesting marketing operation. And for example, also in South Korea, I had the same experience because there they represent Kadei Frati on the shelves, like the House of Fria. So it was very, very interesting. And I think we have a very, very strong uh, uh, communication in this sense. Mostly we work on some main values like family, quality and territory. I always say that the mark of the winemaker, my father, is in bringing out the aromas and flavors that derive directly from the grapes and therefore from the territory. So this is one of our points and this is what distinguishes all of our wines, the so-called primary chains. At brand level, we therefore show ourselves as a company with a long family tradition in the area with simple peasant values, aiming for quality and respect for the land. For this reason, even abroad, our brand remains the same because these values are international and transcend all cultures, according our opinion, of course. Our brand comes from 15th century, it is the ancient symbol of the Carmelite friars who lived in Cade Frati. And we wanted to take up this long history because the friars already cultivated vines here. This theme is found through the entire journey in the cellar, where we also put music of the friars in the barrel cellar, for example, and in brochures that look like ancient books. The colors, for example, we use are colors that recall the heart, our continuous reference, and it is a, an important strategy, I think, all over the world, and just to have a connection with our place in Italy. At a communication level, we try to make Lugana known through the history of the family and the company. In fact, we often talk about our denomination and Lugana in general, even during the visits, the tour to the cellar. We use, of course, also social media, because if we, we talk about communication, we have to talk also about social media. We are on Facebook and Instagram to also introduce young people to drinking well and consciously, to better appreciate the choices and the cuisine of a territory. We have also a monthly newsletter in Italian, but also in English and German, uh, just to stay updated on all of our activities, which 
as I was saying before, uh, go beyond Cade Frati, but the purpose is to discover the secrets of the of the denomination. So we have a strong brand and we want to represent our brand all over the world with the same line. Nice, interesting. I want to discuss further the, the visiting at the, wine, the, at the winery, sorry, because I was very impressed by the winery when I was visiting. It's very nice experience. And I think now wine tourism is very important for wineries. And uh, let's discuss a little bit about the Cadefrati. So could you shed uh, light on the experiences that visitors can expect, the inception of wine tourism at the winery and uh, its significance to the overall business? Because I think people are really looking more and more about having experiences. Discuss a little bit about that. Absolutely, absolutely, yes. For us, wine tourism is a very, very important part and we are open throughout the week to welcome guests who, of course, by booking through the site to our website, come to visit the cellar and taste some of our wines all for free. Only during the weekend in the cellar, we have a special experience when the winery is closed, Saturday evening or Sunday morning, for example. And we offer some paid food and wine experiences monthly. There is a limited number for participants. And here the visit to the cellar becomes a little bit longer, more or less is one hour. The tasting is accompanied by an artisanal savory aperitif from our pastry bar. And finally, the experience ends with a tasting of Amarone during lunch or dinner on the lake, of course, in our restaurant that we have, we have two restaurants on the lake, only one kilometer from the cellar. So it's very, very close. And I personally take care of these experiences. And I am the one who acts as a guide in the cellar because I like to have contact with wine lovers uh, while representing my company and my family, of course. The fact that standard visits during the weekend are free is a point that sets us apart because in Italy, no one visits a winery for free anymore. But open hospitality has always been a family value for us, even when the grandparents, Pietro and Rosa, opened the gates for buyers, even if they came on Sunday in the past. And nobody in Cadefrati refuses a taste of wine. So we also try to combine our tourist activities in all of these. We have two hotels, two restaurants, as I said, and family pastry bistro where we can complete the gastronomic offer to the full. And during the year, we also hold various cultural events just to attract people in the winery, always with wine at the center, of course. And we combined in the past, for example, music with wine, religion, philosophy, but also tasting evenings such as Cadefrati wines and cheeses from around the world. So it was an incredible, incredible evening. Let's say that we are always open to new frontiers in that sense. I like to point out, I, I had a personal experience on the, I, I think it's the name of the hotel is Aquiladoro, right? Yes. It is in Cerno, right? It's one, Aquiladoro, it's one. And we have also yeah. Lugana Parco Lago that is closest to the winery. Yeah, yeah I think Stefano brought us to this in Cerno. It was so, such a nice experience just by the lake, the view and the atmosphere is so beautiful. The restaurant was so good and uh, really had positive memories from that experience. It's really Really, what was really nice. Well, and, next yeah, time, yeah. let me know that you can you can try the <laughs> other ones. Yeah, oh, oh, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> and so just make an observation about this. What do you hope people take away from their experience at the Cade Fratti? Whether they are tasting your wines or visiting the state. So what do you expect that people... I, I mean, personally, I, I, was, I have Cade Fratti. It was one of my favorite wineries after visiting. So 
that's my personal experience. But what do you hope when you plan these events and uh, these experiences? So This is my job. So I hope that they learn, first of all, what is behind a bottle of wine, how much effort, how many variables, primarily natural, we have to face and to deal with. I hope that they learn to appreciate the products of a territory, not just ours, creating an open attitude to discover. Usually the people I met and I always meet are amazed after the visit to the cellar, uh, explaining in detail the processes, technologies we have and times necessary to create wine and also to create awareness of what is behind and inside a glass of wine. I think it's it's very, very important and it's very interesting for, for them. Our intention is not only to share our history and our activities, that is, of course, one of our points, but uh, also to share the work of wine in general through a way of being and approaching, uh, approaching the product. And so we want to share our knowledge about wine and mixing together different experiences the theory, for example, for the first part of the experience, but also the tasting in the, in the second part, of course. Very, very interesting. Yeah. yeah. Thank you very much for the answer. And uh, exploring vision now, how do you see Cade Frati's future, both in wine tourism and winemaking and in the whole picture? Yeah, personally, I see a growing future for Lugana region in general. And this is also my hope, of course. Mainly, I believe that Lugana DOC is a simple wine to drink, appealing to all palates due to, the, to its great freshness and its fragrant hints. And I think it's difficult not to love a wine like this. Then, for those who really love deeply, we have also created a new line, as I, I said, Lugana Ifratin Broletino, Privilegio di Familia. This is for us another point, just to have a, another experience a little bit deeper than the standard one. I think that it's important to understand the potential that apparently simple wine as Lugana can have over time and this is the direction so a wine that will be discovered more and more thanks also to the tourist push that of course the our area certainly has but another point that must not be missing today for me is the attention to sustainability in the cellar and the ability to make the wine itself speak of territory my father always says that well-made wine is one that can be recognized on the nose and in the mouth without knowing the label. It's quite hard, but <laughs> I think he is right. And in Italy, we have many good wines from extremely different territories and each must find its own path, its own market. What profoundly distinguishes one wine from another is the territory from which it comes and to life. And this must be the direction it aims toward, both on enological and communicative level, I think. And I think you guys are in the right direction, especially with the trends that we are seeing in the wine world, that are, people are asking for more freshness, more young wines, and also easy to drink, but it's not simple wine. It still has its particularities, uh, a little bit of complexity. 
and uh, affordable at the same time. So yes, I think uh, you guys are in the right path. And people, when it starts to figure out Lugana as a quality region, and I think people in general are really looking for Lugana wines, and I think the future is bright for the region, actually. Let's talk a little bit about uh, wine and food pairings, especially for the Cadefrati. I think it's a very good wine to have with food. So what are your favorite uh, pairings? I really like uh, Zero Dosage sparkling wine through the meal. I find it very versatile and goes well with Mediterranean cuisine. Of course. However, if I have to choose one of our iconic wines to best match, it is the Lugana Infrati DOC with a grilled sea bass or a typical lake fish and a side fish of vegetables. I find it a simple and tasty dish, ideal with our wines. In my opinion, the best pairings are those that remain, remain local, a local wine with, of course, local food, I think. It is also nice to understand the tradition often rural here, of some typical combination that are made in Italy. Personally, when I travel, I always try to taste the typical products offered by a place, just to learn something deeper and experience the area in this way. This is what I try to do through our wine and our wine's experiences in, in the cellar, which at the end also concern our restaurants. And during the holiday, I also really like the Passito Trefilere, uh, combined our sweet wine, of course, combined with our Veneziana, is a traditional uh, panettone. If how we can say yes, less known, it is a low, a low panettone which we make in our pastry shop with apricot, just to match by analogy with our sweet wine of Turbiana grape and this kind of panettone. Just a, a personal question: What's your favorite wine region apart from Lugana? Or wine that you like. It's quite difficult to say. Usually producers <laughs> just, oh, I like my wine, that's it. <laughs> no, I, I can say I can say different wine, yes. I am a wine lover and every time I go abroad or tour Italy, I always, I'll always try to combine a visit with some wineries, of course. And it is an intriguing world where you never stop learning something. Among my favorite wines, there is absolutely port. I particularly love towny port. but really? I Really? Yeah, but I believe that in addition to the taste of the wine, in that case, my opinion is also greatly influenced by the history of that wine, which fascinates me greatly. And I have been to Portugal many, many times and I have visited all the Portuguese wine places with my boyfriend and I love, really love their lifestyle. But I also really like white wines, uh, the ones most similar to our Lugana, for example. If I go out for dinner, maybe I will happily drink a glass of Muller Turgau, for example, or Riesling. I really enjoy wines fresh and fragrant in general from the north, north of Italy and north of Europe. And maybe that's why the Germans like your wines, because really reminds a little bit of Riesling in a way. So, yeah, yeah. it makes sense. I, I think so. Sense. Absolutely. And also talked about a little bit about Tony Port. I love Madeira. Madeira is great. So great. Oh, still yeah. Cheap. Still cheap. Even the old ones are so good. Yes, yes. We are 45. Only wine lovers like 45 wines these days, actually. So, yes, I, I agree with you. I want to talk about one of your projects because you're a writer and have a book released. You study a lot. Your resume is impressive. So tell us a little bit about, about this. Yeah. So the book represents my ability to combine uh, the culture in which I have always been interested and especially the artistic field with the theme of wine. So for my second degree in history of art, 
I chose to write a thesis on the representation of wine and vines in the Middle Ages around Lake Garda, across our three regions, Trentino Alto Adige, Lombardy and Veneto, and three cities, Brescia, Trento and Verona. It's like a triangle. And the book was then published because it was interesting. It was of local and tourist interest. And the idea is to have a guide to follow just to discover territories and areas unknown to most through the wonders of medieval art on Lake Garda. And in the book, I also mention, this is a, a curiosity, I mentioned the ways in which people at the time drank and paired local foods. And in this way, I demonstrated to my family how wine is truly a versatile topic. Very nice. Very nice. Congratulations about the book. What is the title? If I translate, is the representation of wine and vines around the Lake Garda in the Middle Age. Nice. And now, uh, since you talk about curiosity, it's the, the last question that I have. And just to spark a little bit, tell me something and can be about anything we discussed or not. Tell me something that I probably don't know. About Calaisrati. Hmm, it's quite difficult because... About anything. It doesn't need to be, but it could be about Lake Garda, Lugana Dock. Okay. A secret. <laughs> <laughs> There's no secrets, I think, because the territory <laughs> and nature are, are fantastic here and there are no secrets, but it's quite difficult. Something that I probably don't know, or locals only know, maybe. Have you ever seen the shape of the grapes, of Turbiana grapes, maybe, when you came here? Unfortunately, no, but... So, because the shape of the grape, of Turbiana grape, it's a little bit different from others because of the nature. So, we have uh, very, very high differences between day and night in terms of temperature. The shape of the grapes can avoid the problem of humidity between the fruits. In this case, the shape of the grape, in this case, can help the winemakers just to protect the fruit during the maturation in the in the vineyard. So it's a curiosity that I can tell you. Nice, nice. So uh, we're done. Stevie Leica, it's... Uh... Okay, well... My goodness, I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. I feel a little bit embarrassed because I do live in Verona for many, many, many years. And uh, I've never been to Cadefrati. But Maria Chiara, we do drink your wine. So I hope that makes up the difference. It's a pleasure. I, I want to wait for you there. You know, I think the fact that you have the winery visits for free for everybody is commendable because nobody does that anymore. And I think everybody, I don't, I'm not sure you were supposed to announce that because we have a lot of listeners and they might be coming in an invasion style to your winery. <laughs> so I'm not sure that was such a great idea. But thank you so much. Pablo, seamless interview. You are super prepared. I love it. You're like an engineer going into this discussion. Um, thank you for bringing Maria Chiara along um, today on this call. And I do believe we have a question uh, from the audience, right, Laika? Yes, um, it's actually from Anna. She's still here. She, she said, hello, I have, a, I have a question. Which markets you are focusing on right now? Do you believe that Lugana could be the next it wine? P.S. Love your wines. 
Oh, thank you so much. As I said, our main market is Germany and we are focusing on it now, but not only Germany, also the Asia, Asian part is our market now and we are investing a lot in that area. For example, uh, we are planning for next year another long trip, more or less two weeks between China and Japan me and Stefano, my cousin. We have been in China since a long time, more or less, more than 20, 20 years, I think, and Japan too. So it's not a new market for us, but we want to invest more in South Korea, for example, or in Singapore or in that part of Asia. And so for us, they represent our new markets. And yes, absolutely. I believe that Lugana could be next important wine. I hope worldwide in this sense. Okay, great. Everyone loves your wine. I don't know if you're uh, following the chat, Maria Chiara. And I see also yeah, yeah. Kevin from Buffalo. I don't know if it started snowing there yet. But thank you so much. I'm going to close up the room now. So it's a wrap. We are signing off. Until next time, ciao ragazzi. Listen to the Italian Wine Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We're on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Himalaya FM, and more. Don't forget to subscribe and rate the show. If you enjoy listening, please consider donating through italianwinepodcast.com. Any amount helps cover equipment, production, and publication costs. Until next time, cin cin.